Hi, welcome to the Haven Youth Church Podcast. We want to thank you for tuning in today. We hope this message encourages you and empowers you to be all God created you to be. We love you. Welcome to the family. Book of Genesis, chapter number 29. Genesis 29, we're going to read one verse tonight, uh, verse 30, as we get into the Word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm thankful for the transformation agent that is the Word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The, 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 the soil tonight has been prepared through worship. It's been tilled, tilled and been made ready to receive the Word of God tonight. And we know that His Word will not return void in the house. Hallelujah to God. Genesis chapter 29 and verse 30, the Bible says, so Jacob went in to Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah and served Laban for another seven years. I want to preach to us on this thought tonight. If it's not you, it's not anyone blinded by love. God, we give you glory and honor tonight. We esteem your presence, Lord, and your power in this room tonight. Lord, help me to fade into the background, Lord, and put you in the center, Father, to put your word preeminent in this house, Father, that you might complete the work that you've already begun in hearts and lives, Father. Lord Jesus, that you might awaken hope, that you might awaken faith, Father, that you might start new beginnings in this room tonight. Hallelujah a night of destiny Holy Spirit we give you permission to do your work tonight in the house amen amen and so this week is uh is is the first week of February Monday it was February 1st it's the month it's the month of love and tonight I want to talk to you about one of the greatest love stories in all of scripture and perhaps all uh, of all time I don't know what what you hope to, 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 to write about or what they'll say about your love story, but most of us in here, I think, want one of those, those type of, 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 uh, of stories that people just, it warms their heart, right? Like, like people are like, oh, it's, it's goals. Those are relationship goals, right? Like everything about the person is, is goals. And so I can tell you that in our, in our passage uh, of Jacob and his pursuit and his pursuit of Rachel we read in this account of Genesis that he makes a, a, a several months journey to where she lived and he, he comes to a well and eventually he's going to lay eyes on her and immediately he is, his heart is going to be gripped by the beauty, by the countenance of Rachel. So much so that he's going to be blinded by his past, he's going to be blinded by the price that this, this love is going to cost him. He's going to be blinded by his own, his own mistakes, and he's going to, he's going to enter into uh, one of those, those prolific love stories. My wife 
Jessica of 14 years, 15 years this year, uh, I can remember like Jacob when I laid eyes on her uh, and fell in love for the first time. Like Jacob, he was removing a rock from the mouth of a well as she came uh, to the well to feed her sheep because she was a shepherdess. And so here comes the beauty. Here comes the charismatic one. The Bible says that that her she was she was beautiful and her countenance was fine. It begins to explain two types of beauty for Rachel that the Bible explains, the the Bible reserves for no one else in scripture. And so it talks about her complexion, but it also talks about her beauty. And so he's smitten and he's struck with her so much so that he cannot resist himself. And the only time in scripture where we read where a man kisses a woman before they're married. That's all I needed, Pastor Matt. There's my permission right there. He kisses and then he, he begins to cry out to God and weeps tears. And so unless that's happening, right, unless it's so spiritual that you're weeping, right, because, uh, because of the destiny. And so it wasn't a well, it wasn't a well springing forth, but it was, it was water hoses that were springing forth at the at the the GCS car wash, Brother Jeremiah. We are raising funds, I think, for a missions trip or ACE convention or something. And we were at, maybe it was, I don't know, we were doing something, we were raising money, and she was sitting on a step at Dave, David Ray's car lot, Midtown Auto, I believe is what it was called. She had a pink shirt on. She had a jean skirt on that had the frayed, the frayed uh, end of the jeans going diagonally uh, down what down the, the the middle of the skirt. I can I can with lucid, vi- very vivid memory and detail. I can tell you what she was wearing because my heart was gripped. And then for the next six years, Jacob, it was seven uh, for for us six years. Uh, we we were engaged. It was seven years, I guess. Six years, seven until we got married. Just it was the Lord, right? So. And so the number seven, the number of completion, and so uh, we pursued and we and we married, and and so of course it was it was amazing. And so, but understand that in our story here tonight, uh, we read about Jacob who is on a on a five hundred mile journey. Jacob is not in a good position. You got to understand that Jacob wasn't uh, getting ready to go on a missions trip. Quite the uh, quite the opposite. Jacob, who had accumulated a life full of regrets, I want to talk to you for a moment about regrets. Jacob knew about regrets. Jacob had to leave home because he had betrayed his family. He had betrayed his brother. He had betrayed his his father because he was in pursuit of his own. Desire desires and his own selfish wants and so now he had a brother that hated him and that was filled with bitterness and a brother that would that would lose out with his destiny with God because of his decisions and his choices can I tell you that your pursuit of God matters people are looking to you people are watching you and when you make a mistake people are going to follow in behind you you do not live a life of isolation there is no such thing as a lone ranger in the community of God you are interconnected with every person in this room and every word spoken, every deed done matters. And Jacob, Jacob is running. And he's running from his past. 
A life of regrets. Regrets of a past that become too much, too much to carry, too much to deal with, too much to put out in the open. And so he's on the run, living a life of misery. Oh, he knew how to pretend, just like some of us in this room. He knew how to pretend, but he was miserable. Pretending to be okay. Pretending to be all right. Did you know that you can come to church? You can come to youth group week after week and still be miserable? No one may know it because we're good at pretending. But you can come to, you can come to Bible study and you can, come to, you can come to Sunday night and you can come to the Sunday school class and, and you can go through all the, all the motions of what it means, what ministry looks like and what a believer looks like and what it means to be a part of the group and the clique, but you can still be miserable. And so he finds that he cannot, he, he cannot, he cannot find, find wholeness because he refuses to reveal the dark secrets of his own past. And so understand tonight that the Lord can never heal what you refuse to reveal. And this is why the enemy will always use pain to cause you to conceal everything about your past, everything about your mistakes, everything about your misdeeds, everything about the real you, because as long as he can get you to conceal it, he can also conceal what is God's plan, his future for you, and what God has said about you. And so understand that Jacob is on the run, but we know tonight that there's good news, because the God that we serve knows how to find us no matter where we're at on our journey no matter how far we've got from home no matter how far we've run he always knows how to find us he knows how to find us in our fear he knows how to find us in our guilt he knows how to find us in our shame he knows how to find us in our loss he knows how to find us in our valley low he knows how to find us in our despair he has not lost your location tonight he knows right where you're at So Jacob's on the run. Jacob finds out, number one tonight, write this down, that love is blind to the past. Love is blind to the past. Jacob is the supplanter, the deceiver. He's the one that hasn't worked for anything in his life. Everything that he has, he has by way of deceit. He's played on the emotions of everyone around them, around him to manipulate them. You know people like that? From his brother's birthright in a moment of weakness. People who love you will not take, take advantage of your weakness. Do you hear me? People who love you will refuse to allow you to give up your destiny and your purpose in Christ. And can I just point really quick 
for a hot second and tell you that if that boy really loves you, he would never cause you to cross lines and cross boundaries that would cause you to forfeit God's perfect plan and his perfect will for your life. Can I tell you that if that's really your God squad that you're running with, they would never push you to cross those personal lines of personal standards that you've established in your life, but instead they would always be coming along reminding you that this is a guardrail that you've established in your life. We won't go there because I know that you won't do this. We won't go here because I know that you refuse to put yourself in front of... They're not going to add fuel to the fire of sin in your life. They're going to come with an extinguisher and try to keep you on the, the road of your purpose and your destiny. And so Jacob's not anybody that you want in your squad. Okay, he's the dude that, that he comes over and he spends the night and then, and then you wake up the next morning, he's gone and so, is, so, so are your belongings. Like this is real to me. Like some of your shoes are gone. There's a problem with stealing somebody else's shoes, particularly if they're worn anyway. But he don't even, he don't even stop there. He'll even steal your socks. And that stank. And he's the kind of petty Jacob that he'll even take your underwear. This is not anybody you, you're trying. I'm telling <laughs> you think I'm kidding. These are real life experiences of mine. <clears throat> And this is the reality for everyone who's never seen their own future in Christ. They'll always live a life convinced that they have to steal the future of Esau. And if all you can imagine for yourself is what's going well in somebody else and what you desire in somebody else, If all you can imagine for yourself is what God is doing in somebody else, you can never be conformed in the image of God. You'll always be conformed into the image of whoever you're looking at. C.S. Lewis said, look for yourself and you'll find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ and you'll find him and with him everything else thrown in. Amen. And so Jacob's on the run, a life of regret. Jacob's selfishness, however, his deceit, his failures and disappointments are about to come face to face with, with something that is much more powerful than any misstep, powerful than any lie he told, powerful than any deceitful act that he ever performed. Genesis in 28 tells the story. It says, Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He's on the run. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed and behold there was a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to the heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and de descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God, the God of Abraham. 
your father and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth and shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go. I want to say that again because I'm talking to some Jacobs in the room that are running from a life of regret, a life of hurt, a life of pain, a leading a life of deception. Where is God? He's always been where you left him. He, he declares to Jacob, the runner, the supplanter, the deceiver, I am with you. Oh, and don't forget, Jacob, I still have a plan. My promise is to you. It's to your children. The land where you lie shall be yours. Hallelujah to God. And he says, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. I'm not going to leave you until my work is accomplished in you. I know brother left you. I know mama convinced you to lie to get you where you thought you had to be, but I'm never going to leave you, son. I'm never going to leave you, daughter. It's I that began a good work in you, and it's I that will be with you until it's performed. Then Jacob and it says, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. That's what the life on the run will always do. It will always, the enemies will always use hurt and pain to deceive you, to cover and blind your eyes to what God is doing in the moment. Here, God is always after him. God's always trying to reach him. God is always speaking to him, but he never knows it. Why? Because of hurt, because of pain, because of regret, because of sin. And this is the work of the enemy. What you don't have is what you need. Eve, if you just run after that tree, you'd be just like God. Adam would have just spoke up and said, Eve, don't you know you've been created in the image of God? You already like him. You are already made in the likeness and the image of God. You don't need the tree. You don't need to run to the garden. You don't need to run looking for a forbidden fruit. You've already got what God has purposed you to be. It's a lie from hell to run in that direction. It's a lie from hell to run past the barricades and, and the, the stoplights and the red flags of the enemy. Hallelujah. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. I don't know where you're at tonight, but, but I stand on the word of God to tell you that the Lord is nigh unto you this night. You've not gone too far. You've not done too much. You've not been out too long. You've not been in too long and played the game. He's nigh unto you even unto your lips. Hallelujah. What do I need to do? What Jacob did. Jacob built an altar at Bethel and he says and he says how awesome is this place. Hallelujah to God. This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. He's 70 something years old and for the first time he encounters the living God and his life is forever changed. A life of regret no more. Why? Because love blinds us to our past. You don't have to live restrained by your past. 
You don't have to live a life as a child of the living God, constantly mulling over the regrets and the mistakes and the misdeeds. You don't have to live a life angry and bitter because of the harm that's come your way. An encounter with God will blind you to the past. Hallelujah. Lift your hands across this place. Do it right now, Holy Spirit. Do it right now in this room. Young people and old alike that have thought, that have believed the lie, the deception of the enemy, that we have to live a life of regret of, oh, what if I would have made this mistake, this, this decision, or what if I hadn't gone down this road, or what if this hadn't happened to me, or, or, or what if they hadn't walked out on me, or, or what, if they hadn't, what if they hadn't left my life, or, or what if, or what if, or what if. God, we rebuke and we cast down every evil imagination in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord God, like Jacob, God, oh, let your people, your sons and daughters encounter the light and the glory of heaven that burns up a life of regrets. Hallelujah. 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 Jacob is quite the unlikely one, isn't he? He's not done one right thing in his life. And here we are. I know you thought that the calling and the anointing and the purposes of God were for the church kid that grew up and never made any mistake. And I'm thankful for the church kid. I'm thankful for the Jeremiah's that can stand up and say, he kept me. And that perhaps is the greatest testimony of all time. And I didn't have to live a life filled with regret. And I didn't have to live a life filled with pain and trying to figure out who I am, right? But I found out at a young age. Who, and this is always the journey of every proper generational Christian. Is the, the, the first generation. How many of you are your first generation Christian? Your mom, your dad's not a Christian. Uh, you didn't grow up in church, but you are. Anybody in the house? Anybody in the house? Just wave at us. Wave at us. Wave at us. Okay. Here's, here's, here's the news. Okay, understand for you, your testimony is is glorious. God, God delivered you and brought you out of a deep, dark, deep, dark pit. But that better not be the testimony of your children. You came from hell, you came from the pit, and, and, and the Lord rescued you and he set your feet upon a rock so your children don't have to. And that's nothing to be ashamed of. And so for every church kid in here who don't have a life, who doesn't have a testimony of addiction and near-death suicidal experience and all this other kind of stuff, so what? Praise God. You don't have to lie to give God glory in what he's done in your heart and in your life. I'm tired of seeing church kids get up and testify and testify a lie because they think that they had to come out of some, some dark pit in order to give God glory. Don't you know that if he's kept you, that is an incredible testimony of the goodness of God, the keeping power of God, of his grace and his mercy towards you? It's a testimony that generational curses are a lie. Hallelujah. 
I said it's a testimony that generational curses are a lie. Hallelujah. And so everyone that was rescued from the pit, that's reason for you to celebrate too because what came your way will not come your baby's way. Oh, hallelujah to God. The hell you came through will not be for your children. Shut up. My mommy may be an addict. My daddy may be an addict. He may have been absent from my life, but it's not going to be for my children. Oh, they're going to be mighty arrows launched from a young age. Oh, hallelujah to God. Oh, I know we're supposed to live for this in the short run, but don't forget there might be a long run. And if it's a long run before the kingdom of God returns, oh, then we're going to need some world changers by you, raised by you, birthed by you, the fruit of your loins. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the good news is the cycle is broken with you. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's appropriate and okay to give God glory for your children that are going to be mighty warriors for the kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You may be unlikely, but that doesn't mean you are unusable. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His mercies are new every day. Do you know what that word new means? It means completely unused. It's, been un, it's not even unboxed yet. I sold another PlayStation today, thanks be, thanks be to God, and they wanted to know, well, how, how, have you used it yet? Is it how, what condition is it in? I said, it's brand new, baby. It still has the seal on it. And so I want, I want you to know tonight, I don't know what yesterday was like. I don't know what earlier today was like. But the good news is his mercies still have a seal on it for you today. His mercies are new every single morning. Hallelujah to God. may be unlikely but I'm not unusable hallelujah and it could be that it's my unlikeliness and my uniqueness that has uniquely positioned me to do more for the kingdom than the one everybody expects to do for the kingdom because when you when you go grow up full of insecurities there's no way you're going to take the glory. I promise you. It's a miracle. It's a miracle you can string a sentence together in front of anybody, much less a bunch of critical teenagers. New every morning. I come to remind you tonight that he's not changed his mind about you. Hallelujah. He hasn't changed his mind about you. He's not changed his mind about his mercy, about his love, about his, his grace. And can I remind you where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Hallelujah. Why? Because the Lord knows what I need, where I need it, and when I need it, and just how much of it I need. And so if I happen to be in a deep, dark pit, then his mercy and his grace happens to be a ladder that stretches into the deep, dark pit for me. And his mercy happens to be strong enough to withstand the weight of my burdens on his back to lift me up out of the grave. Hallelujah to God. And so Jacob encounters the presence of God, and it removes all 
regret. And it kindles a fiery passion. Luke 12, 49, Jesus said, I'm come to send fire on the earth. Luke 12, 49, I want to say that again because you need to write that down. I have, I'm come to send fire on the earth. And what will I if it be already kindled? He becomes the proverbial tender. Jesus is the tender. He's the tender, that the, the spark, the ignition. But the tender will go out if there's not some kindling. No matter where you're at tonight, how young you are in the Lord, the fire always needs some kindling. I can't stay kindling. At some point, i got to become a, a hefty log that can endure the, the, the time and the season. But right now, sometimes a kindling is all that he needs. Hallelujah. And so why don't you tonight allow a fresh encounter with God birth a fiery passion. And won't you allow that ignition to begin to consume all that you are, all that you want, all that you desire to be. Why don't you allow the consuming power of the glory of God and the Holy Ghost fire of God to do what it did for Jacob at Bethel to do what it did for Paul on the road the Damascus road and that light that shining glory fiery light begin to burn away all that you desire and open up a brand new passion and love for God hallelujah hallelujah a love that causes you to be blind to the price blind to the price. Anybody that's ever known real love in the house knows that there is no price too high. And that's really an indication of whether or not you found true love. If he don't post you, you better know. Just wait. He going to ghost you. <laughs> and so if he's not putting you out there, okay, if he's not willing to pay that kind of price, he's going to leave you. Oh, no. You see what he told me? Uh, actually, say, uh, I, I know you think I'm a side chick, but that's not really the, that's not, I promise you, that's not really what's going on here. See, uh, I'm in hiding. I'm just still, um, you know, it's just not, our love's not in full bloom. And so uh, when the flower begins to, to open up, you know, of course, uh, then I'm going to be everywhere. On his, he's probably going to name his feet after me, actually. I'm probably, he's probably going to be, he's probably going to be Susie's boy. He's probably going to be, he's probably, he might be Leah's boy. Rachel. Not this Leah. Or maybe, maybe, he's, maybe I should say he's going to be Rachel's boy, Leah. The Bible is really interesting. I'm going to get into this. I'm going to get into this more next week. And so, because it's actually beautiful. And I think it's actually, uh, the way we should read this is a lot different than, than is has been interpreted all my life. And so Rachel, Rachel's her 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 beauty is one that 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 commands the attention of a room. She has a gift of communication and and she her her name really is synonymous with let there be light. And 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 she and so but but Leah, the Bible and this is the you know, very rarely we see in in Hebrew scripture where there's this juxtaposition this this contrast of somebody's looks. And any time there, there is, it's telling us something else. It's not telling us that Rachel's beautiful. Do you understand? Like, that's not the point. Okay? And Leah says, like, uh, her sight was 
a little funny. Can you just look at your neighbor and cross your eyes? And in a really, really funny voice, just introduce yourself. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Love is, that's not, I, I promise you, Leah, I'm going to come rescue you next week, okay? So that's not, that's not the, that's not the, the that's, I, I believe Holy Spirit showed me something else about Leah that I'm really excited to, to bring out next week, Lord willing, depending on whether or not we allow Austin to take offering. Um, oh. <laughs> give it up for Austin. How powerful was that tonight? Actually, two weeks in a row, just Holy Spirit bombs. Holy Spirit, Molotov cocktails all over the house. Fiery passion. Love blinds us to the price. Love blinds us to the past. Love, blind, love is blind to the price. <clears throat> this transformation in Jacob's heart and his life was so, so dramatic let me remind you, this is Jacob the deceiver who's not worked for anything in his life. He's cheated his way. He's found a back door. He's found a secret entry. He's always, he's always found a way to, 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 to cheat the system. He's the dude buying up all of the PlayStations with the bots, okay, that everybody hates, right? He doesn't even have a real job. Okay, he's the one. He's the one. He's the one calling people and and telling them their their computer is locked down with the virus, and they've got to send him ASAP. They've got to send him a Venmo of one hundred dollars, and he did it to my mom twice. This is Jacob. Everything that he's got, he's got by way of manipulation. He's refused to work. He can make a pot of porridge. And that's about it. But all of a sudden, he encounters the living God at Bethel. And he, his eyes are open to a Rachel, a type, of, a type of passion we see for Christ. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit empowers him to do things that he should not have been able to do. Esau, absolutely. Esau, could, Esau was a man's man. Esau could have removed the rock that was over the well. Okay, if we read the story, you'll find that he comes to a well where there were shepherds. They had gathered their flocks. There were three flocks, probably a type of the Holy Spirit there. And, and, and he says, let's, let's, let's remove the, the rock. Here comes, he actually asks, is this Laban's place? And they're like, yeah, dude, you're, you're in the right place. And he's like, bro, like I'm Kent, this is, I'm Isaac's son, right? And does he have any, how is it? How is he well? Does he have children? Does he have, does he have any ladies? And they're like, actually, here comes Rachel right now. And immediately he says, you got to get out of here. That's what he did. He tried to get them out. He's like, y'all need to go and your sheep, you need to get your, your sheep. And, and I need this one-on-one time right here. This is going to be a moment. This is a God moment. The Lord has brought us together for such a time as this. 
he asked them to remove the rock. And the Bible explicitly says that it was a large, heavy rock. And they had to wait, the shepherds did at that time, till in the evening, they covered the well, and in the evening, they, once all the shepherds had gathered there, they would all together, because the rock was so large, they would begin to remove the rock together and then water their sheep. This is the process. He finally convinces them to go. Rachel shows up, and he all by himself, all by himself. This is mama's boy. This is, this is silly, this is, uh, this is Jacob, who don't know anything of hard work. All of a sudden, an encounter with God, and he's able to do what he should not have been able to do himself. And a supernatural strength comes over him, and he manhandles this rock, and he begins to remove the rock from the well, and begins to dip out from the well water for the sheep of the shepherdess. And I come to tell somebody tonight, I don't know what you've been running from in your past, and I don't care how dark it's been, and I don't care how much you've been deceived, uh, how much you've deceived or the enemy's deceived you. There is a well that the Holy Spirit wants to open up up within you and I don't care how heavy the rock may be there is a rock that is mightier and the Holy Spirit wants to come upon you so that you too can dip within and begin to pour out what is the living water of God to everyone that you encounter and love will enable you to pay the price to do what what you never thought you would ever be able to do and so here he is he's he's watering Leah, Rachel's sheep, and then he, he begins to work for Laban. And Laban's like, this dude is going to be good for my household. He's strong. He's walking in that new anointing that he hadn't previously had. He's a worker all of a sudden. Man, the power of God will change your life. When love is ignited and fiery passion is ignited in your heart for the Lord, you will work harder for him than you've ever worked for your life, and you will enjoy it. The, the Josephus said it was a 500-mile journey from his home to Haran, and Josephus said that his heart was beating so with love that every step was light because his heart was so ready for love. He was going from his mother's, from his mother's word to find a mate, and here he is. And so he begins, to, he begins to negotiate with Laban, Rachel's papa, and Rachel's papa, as you know, says you can have the girl if you'll work for me for seven years you don't have any dowry and so you can pay it in seven years and he says what is seven years for love and scripture says that it was like it was like a day it was like a day to Jacob why his heart had been ignited love is blind to price that's why in a service like this, I can worship at great cost. I can shout. I can cry. I can, I can offer the sacrifice of praise when nobody else is because love is blind to the price. That's why I can devote myself and others in this room who can testify to Jeremiah has devoted himself to a life to work in a, a Christian school that, if we're honest, doesn't pay uh, you teenagers in this room make more than he does as a salary. And maybe that's funny. Or maybe Jeremiah has encountered God in such a way that, Lord, whatever the price, if it's a 401k, God, you're worth the price. If it's a life of, of safety and security, God, 
and I'm not saying that, like, that, that God is going to necessarily call you to a life of poverty, but he might. He might. But whatever the cost, it's not too great when you've encountered the living God. Whatever the cost... When I, when I said yes to, to, to Jessica before the wedding day, when I fell in love with her, I can promise you there were numbers that I got rid of out of my phone, out of my Nokia phone. There were also numbers in my sock drawer that I had to dig up and I had to throw away. And some of them had some pretty nice perfume on them and I still had to throw them away. Why? Because the price was worth it. Hallelujah. Because love is blind to the price. There were places I had to stop going. There were phone calls I had to stop answering. There were text messages that I had to stop sending. There were group texts that I had to get out of. Why? Because the price. Love is blind to the price. Hallelujah. When God called us to, to minister to this house, can I get real for a second? And people in this church, moms and dads whose sons and daughters we are trying to pastor, had anything but positive to say about me or her. Love is blind to the price. I didn't sign up to be, to be, to be the, the head of a fan club, to be celebrated by man. God, I signed up because you loved me first. Because your love was blind to the price, God. That you so rent the heavens that you sent Jesus, your son, to be lifted high and spread wide for me. Why? Because love is blind to the price. And if mom and dad doesn't like me, it's okay. If you don't like me, it's all right. I don't have to answer to you. But there is one that I am madly in love with. And if he's called me to it, oh God, let me be faithful to your dreams and your visions and your plans for my life. If you've called me to a school and a city that I never wanted to be in, and for most of my experience, tried to, tried to see to it that I was fired. False accusations that could have ruined my life. But God, if you called me to it, love is blind to the price. God, if you, if you ask me of my Friday nights for five years, if you ask me of my Friday nights, I'll spend them at an altar, an all-night prayer. Why? Because love is blind to the price. You know where I got filled with the Holy Spirit? Right there. Right there. It was probably year five uh, of seeking the Lord every night on a Friday night. Right here, sitting right like this. All by myself. Filled with the fire of God. You know what? Love is blind to the price. What is the area in your heart and your life where Holy Spirit has checked? Holy Spirit is pushed. Holy Spirit is asked of or, uh, or pushed, you, pushed you toward. What is the area? Is he worth it to you? If he's worth it to you, if you're still in contemplation mode, can I tell you, you need a fresh Bethel. You need a fresh altar where fiery passion can be rekindled in your heart, where you can get up and you can say, God, whatever the price, Lord, my heart is set on you. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah. It's blind. It's the past. It's blind to the price. I'm well out of time. Stand to your feet tonight. There are 12 tribes in Israel. And can I tell you that all 12, all 12 came from a supplanter. 
from a deceiver, from a man that was running. I was running from regrets, was running from past, was running from hurts, was running from wounds, was running from, from, from a dad that he deceived and a brother that he lied and destroyed his future. A life full of regrets. All 12 tribes come out of Jacob, who became Israel. Tonight, there's a number of you that come into this room and you don't know how to push in further. You've so lived a life of deception. You so live a life with wounds. You don't know how to push any further. And it's not that you're lost. It's not that you're wayward. But you're stuck in this place. And the wounds have passed. And the harm that's come your way has found you stuck in your journey. a God who's never lost sight of you. In Revelation, he says that his eyes to the, to the church whose vision got caught up with that Jezebel, his eyes burn with fire. Those are eyes of fiery passion for you. Well, maybe they burn with fire, but I don't know if he's looking at me. His word says that his eye has never left you but it's stuck on you and it's the same passion it's the same fire that was alive in the eyes of Father God when he was knitting you together in your mother's womb long before there was ever a mistake long before in this flesh long before this clay become marred his eyes were burning with fire for you and the good news is tonight they still burn and he's come to ignite the same passion in you for him amen his fires come to consume the regrets however however you've accumulated them tonight is a night it's over and it's finished and there's another level tonight to the believer in the room where you know the areas of your life that Holy Spirit has long been trying to push you towards or pull you from tonight's the night tonight's the night tonight's our Bethel where we encounter God afresh and finally say, God, nothing in me, but all of you. Thanks for listening. If this message blessed you in any way, please consider subscribing and sharing this podcast with someone. You can follow us on social media at Haven Youth Church. We love you, fam. The best is yet to come.